Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is the basketball series. Pro, it's time for celebration. This is episode 100, man. Is it really? It is 100. We're getting old. You couldn't find anyone better than me after after episode one. You, I, I expected like three episodes <laughs> tops. To be honest with you, I'm fuck. You know, I'm 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 on house money right now, brother. Yeah, we're we're both on house money. We're rolling, and we just hit two million listens. That includes all all the Bro Bo's podcasts. But basketball, I think, would be more than fifty percent of that. So yeah, two million listens. Thanks to all the people that tune in every week for the basketball and all the other different podcasts that I do that. Pro gives me shit about, but uh, <laughs> two million listens isn't too bad. Pro hundred episodes, uh, two million listens for the basketball, you know, all, all up, which is pretty good. So thanks to once again, thanks to all our listeners and people promoting this. Yeah, means people are bored, folks. But all right, well, they I'll are. take boredom any day of the week. Oh, we're we're bored. We're, that's why we're doing it. It's <laughs> a good <laughs> no, point. I'm just joking. We're, like, we're doing this for the people, you know. We're doing this for the people. So, um, but yeah, that's all. That's all good news for. All the listeners out there, let's get right into it, man. Um, there's a lot to get through with the CBA that just got announced, uh, which looks to be completely done, um, which we'll get into a little bit later, but we'll get into our team of the weeks, bro. I want to see who your team is this week. Team of the week? Uh, I'm going to go with the New York Knicks, folks. Four mm-hmm. in a row, you know, playing well. A uh, d- couple of different lineups here and there. But uh, yeah, playing well. I, I think they're, you know, I think they shook off a lot of early criticism. I think they're playing well. You know, I think that you know they're doing well in the standings right now. I think not counting any game today, they were forty-five and thirty-three going into the day. You know, third in the Atlantic Division. And they I won today, so now they're forty-six yeah, and thirty-three. Forty-six yep. and thirty-three, playing well. Going to get into that five spot. So they'll probably they'll probably most likely be. They're a lock Cleveland. for that. There's only yeah. you know four games left. They're two and a half ahead of Brooklyn. I you know I doubt they're going to lose four straight, and Brooklyn are going to win four straight. But stranger yeah, things have so, happened. Oh, sorry, ah. New York have three left. But uh, yeah, I, I yeah. doubt they slip. But they're they're playing. No, well. they're four or five. Yeah, they're they're four or five playing well. Uh, Tibbs has got those guys defending, playing well as a team, pretty consistent. You know, in the last you know six weeks or so, and love you know we talked about Josh Hart a thousand times, and I think he's been the pickup uh, for them. It's probably been the pickup of the decade. So it's um yeah, it's been it's been good. It's it's been positive. Those guys are playing hard. That's what I got. I mean, I, I guess you could go other teams. Phoenix played well and all that, but I like I like what New York's doing. I like what New York New York's doing. So I'll give it to them again. I think New York is. Probably the most dangerous outside of Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. To me, they're probably the the, the most dangerous team in the playoffs. Um, but basically, from Cleveland below, so including Cleveland. I mean, I think New York's just just based on form. They've they've probably been one of the standouts since All Star break, since the trade deadline. Playing really good basketball. You know, you look at Brooklyn. Brooklyn's been okay. They've been pretty solid. I didn't expect them to be this solid. Um, looks like they're going to lock up six as well. So that the five and six, I don't think change. Um, four probably doesn't change neither. Um, and then you got you got a bit of a wrestle for eight, nine, ten. Um, but yeah, it looks like looks like the ten in the East is pretty much set. You got Indiana in eleven, and they're three games um, behind Chicago in ten. So Chicago's also surged and they're playing pretty well. They're seven and three in their last ten. But yeah, I like the Knicks. I think um, Brunson's playing out of his mind over the last month. Randall's had some big games for him. They are guarding 
Um, I still think they're a piece away from doing any big damage in the in the playoffs, in my opinion. Uh, I think they can scrape through the, the first round and maybe get to the second, but they're still they're building, and their uh, their fans would have to be happy with the way they're going, considering their last their last two decades, pro. So good pick by you. I've, I do have the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they are playing really well. That they have a bit of luck. You know, they, they had a few depleted teams they played against, but their last five, they've won five straight: Philly, Utah, Minnesota, Denver, OKC. So a good mix of Solid teams to, uh, you know, Philly. Philly is a great team, um, and then Denver. Denver like basically played no one in that game in Phoenix a couple of nights ago. But uh, they're you know six and four in their last ten. They've won five straight since KD's been back. Right before KD was back, they were struggling. Pro, they were. You know, there was a chance they were going to f- almost fall out of the ten at one point if they had lost a few more games. And then KD's come back and saved the day. KD twenty six six and four in his games with the Suns. So. You know that's why they made that trade. He's he's you know he's he's going to take them as far as they go in my opinion. Chris Paul, Aiden, great role players now. Um, it's going to be KD show, and then obviously Booker's going to be that that Batman and Robin. Those two guys they'll go as far as they carry him. Um, and unfortunately, our guy Jock Landale over this last week during the streak has fallen out completely out of the rotation, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But uh, the Phoenix Suns are balling. Playing good basketball right now, um, really solid at home. Their road record could improve. They're seventeen and twenty-three on the road, so not great on the road. But their home record at twenty-six and twelve is good, and they will be, you know, tough. And, and when you look at the West right now, you know, this is kind of the point of the season, pro, where teams start playing musical chairs. You know, they start they start maybe throwing a game or two to fall down. No one can really do that because <laughs> because of the playing, <laughs> you just can't. You know, it looks like Phoenix. Probably going to get four. Um, Golden State's in five now. You know, the Phoenix potentially want to want to go down if if, Sac- if Sacramento were to fall, which which can't happen. I'm saying hypothetically, maybe. I think Sacramento is the one that you know. I think you want the six seed essentially if you're uh, if you're in the West, right, pro. You want you want to be that six, which the Clippers currently own right now. You'd want Sacramento if you're if you're in the bottom half out of out of Denver, Memphis. Sacramento and Phoenix. Most people would disrespect Sacramento. That's just the blunt, honest truth. They might be surprised. Sacramento might rail them in the playoffs, but um, I think that six seed's pretty valuable. But it's going to be pretty hard to play those musical chairs, pro, because Clippers are half a game up on 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 the Lakers in seven in that plane, and you don't want to go and try to you know throw a game or two to, to hold on to six, and then all of a sudden someone below you you know, wins two straight and then jumps you when you go to a plane. So that's I guess that's one bonus, one more bonus of the plane, pro is. I think it maybe stops a bit of the shenanigans at the end of the season. I agree with that. I mean, first to talk about Phoenix for a second, I think, you know, watching Durant and Booker healthy going at, you know, just going at teams, it's just going to be pretty to watch. I mean, those guys are monsters. They're offensive juggernauts that can make shots, get to the rim, score in the mid-range. I mean, they're really, they're, their mentality of the game is just great to watch. Then you've got, you know, obviously Paul and Aiton and those guys. And you know what? They got a good, solid bench that can make shots. Damian Lee can make shots. Shamit can make shots. Cameron Payne, Terrence Ross. You know, I, I do believe our boy Landale's going to, uh is going to, you know, get get a few minutes here and there. But I just do think that this team's really, you know, really fun to watch when they got everything going. And yeah, of course, when without Durant, they're not going to, they're not going to do well because, not only do you not have Durant, you gave up those two really good players, you know, in the trade with, you know, with Cameron Johnson and Bridges. So, 
yeah, I mean, without without Durant and those two guys out the door, it's really hard to win games, you know, because mostly they got shot makers. They don't really have isolation players and players they could just sort of carry to. Um, as far as the shenanigans at the end of the season, yeah, the, the play-in stuff, you know, makes it a little bit difficult uh, to really do. But also, you know what, like at the end of the year, I know like it, it, it might it might do you justice to sort of get the right seed against the right team matchup, blah, blah, blah. You know what, though, Bogues, in my opinion, just play the game. Just don't fuck, don't, me- don't mess with the game. Just play it. If you win, you win. You lose, you lose. Whatever you, you know, whoever you're going to face, you're going to face. Yeah, if you're going to face the, you know, 2019, you know, Golden State Warriors, it's a little different. But you know, look, I just, to me, don't even play with the seeds. Just do your thing. Uh, the playing is going to be interesting this year for sure. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, you know, who you got, folks? Was it right now? I mean, I know it could be musical chairs, but right now, would you have what New Orleans versus the Lakers and Minnesota versus Oklahoma City? Is that how it sort of shakes up? As of today, yeah. But uh, th- there's there's a lot that can yeah. There's a lot that can go can go astray. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But sure, you know, OKC's in ten. They're one game ahead of Dallas. Um, and then, I mean, it's still wide open. I mean, Utah technically still in the race at 12. You know, they're one and mm-hmm. a half behind OKC. So we'll look into um, the schedule in a second, but let's get to our uh, week of the week. Um, I'm going to go with the Mavs again. They get they get back-to-back week of the weeks. They they need to win games. They haven't had a – wasn't an easy schedule by any means, but the way they lost, I mean, they – Philly, Miami, Atlanta for the week, all arguably okay opponents. Philly at the high end, Miami, Atlanta in the mid. But if they want to, you know, they need to at least go one and two, two and one in that in that stretch. And they should have won the Atlanta game today. They choked that one off. They're, they're one and a half games out of 11 now, uh, or one game now out of 11 because OKC just lost. So they're one game out of 11, out of 10 with three games left. And that's what I want to discuss. It's like, you know, you, you look at the schedules and – Give me your thoughts on this, Pro. So Dallas's last three games, they have Sacramento, Chicago, and San Antonio. Now Sacramento can rest because they're solidified their spot. Um, Chicago is still battling, so they'll play hard. And Spurs, you should hope they'd win that game. So two and one at best, maybe three and zero. Minnesota, who are one and a half ahead of them, they finish with Brooklyn, San Antonio, New Orleans, and OKC finish with Golden State, Utah, and Memphis. So they're all pretty even as far as that goes. The tiebreak's interesting because the tiebreak first goes if, if one of them's division first if you're a division champ, which none of them are, and then mm-hmm. it goes to to head to head, and I think I think that's tied as well. So um, it might you know there could there's a potential that it could be a three way tie as well. I mean it could be OKC, Dallas, and Minnesota. There's a, there's a potential for that too, and then there's all these different algorithms that come into place. But the um, you know, tiebreak's interesting. I'm not sure who you'd pick out of those three teams their schedule because you can't really look into the schedule too much because some of the teams might rest guys. You know, for instance, OKC having having Memphis the last night of the season, Memphis probably has no incentive to win that game at that point. You know, they're they're, they're pretty much locked in number two, or they're a game away from locking in number two. They can't catch Denver in one, so that's probably going to be a win. But then again, they play some of their young guys who are fighting for minutes. They could they could lose the game as well, right? So. I don't know who you who you'd pick out of that, but yeah, Dallas. I mean, they're just they made that trade, and we've we've discussed it at length last week and the week before. But it just it just looks clunky. It doesn't look great, you know. Kyrie and and, and Luca do get their numbers. Um, it's the role players are not right fits for those two guys at the moment. You know, it, it just 
There is a science behind getting the right role players. Now, do I blame the role players completely? No, like Christian Wood's not a great fit for that squad with those two scoring guards because he's a scoring big, so he doesn't provide you with you know, a role-playing big that doesn't need the ball, and that's why they're playing JaVel McGee right now. You know, he's he's really his head back into the lineup and playing minutes because, hey, run the floor, set screens and rebound. We're not throwing you the ball unless it's a lob dunk, and he's cool with that. You know, that's my role, whereas Christian Wood – that's not his strength. So all of a sudden, if you want him to guard, rebound, set screens, two things are going to happen. Either he's going to be really bad at it or two, he's going to be pissed off doing it, right? So that doesn't fit. you got some young guys, Josh Green, Australian. You know, he's young and trying to find himself still. He doesn't know who he is as a player. So to ask him to be, hey, we just need you to be a 3 and D guy at this point in his career, he's not going to be happy with that. It's his second, third year in the league. So they don't have the pieces around those two guys. Um, they need to get some veterans in the offseason and whatnot and some good role players to make that work. But as their current roster stands, it's it's painful to watch. It really is pro. And and the Mavs, you know, that it's the fail. If they don't make the play-in pro, to me, they're the failure of the season. You know, cast aside all the other other teams and all the crap they've gone through. And, you know, you got the Clippers up and down, Phoenix the trade, the Lakers who started poorly, whatever. Like the disappointment of the season, number one, will be the Dallas Mavs if they do not make the 10. It's interesting what they're going to do, Bogues, going forward. Like, do you do you even think about re-signing Kyrie? Obviously, it's a trade that not a lot of people thought was going to work. Um, I think a lot of people thought that they had to try to do something from where the team was in the, the types of teams that they could beat versus not. Um, the role players and stability of Dinwiddie and, and Dorian Finney-Smith, and plus that pick they they shipped out with that, you know, obviously that that's a great thing to have. It's stability, but the problem is overall talent. You had to try to make a move like this to to sort of stay competitive with better teams. Now, that being said, if you made this trade last summer, right, and you have a whole summer training camp. Um, and, and try to get used to everybody and, and put them in certain situations and positions, does this end up a little bit different? My thing with Kyrie, it, it's always off the court. It's not off the court getting in trouble. It's like the word salad interviews, the you know the middle of the night FaceTimes or whatever, um, you know, Instagram lives and things, just talking about stuff that's really not there, but it's just like, where's your head at? And the guy's one of the most talented players ever to play the point guard position. And it's not a talent thing. And their role players, yeah, they need shot makers. They need consistent shot makers across the board. They can go 39 to 43% from three and just knock down shooters that are cold-blooded. You need J.J. Reddicks. You need Kyle Corvers. You need you know, uh, Tony Snells. You need guys like that that are just shot makers, don't need the ball, can guard a little bit, except J.J., of course, but like could really just knock down shots. And you need a center that could roll and defend. You know, I'm a big Dwight Powell fan. The Christian Wood deal, yeah, he can score and he's got talent, but it just doesn't fit. Um, the biggest thing they got to do is not, they do not panic with this. Like what, what you got to go into the off season definitive of what you're going to do. You, it's got to be like, this is exactly what we're going to do. You know, what, look like this Luca Dantich thing is in the, it's, it's sort of, you got a lot riding on it. Right. But you still have him. He's frustrated, but still locked into things. 
what are you going to do? Are you going to re-sign Kyrie short-term? Are you going to sign and trade? Obviously, people are probably not thinking they're going to re-sign him, and it's going to be a sign and trade. Okay, what do you try to do, depending on what the Lakers do? You know, is AD on the board? Is Maxi from Philly going to be on the board? Is Bradley Beal going to be on the board? And then you got to figure out. You've got salary cap room, I believe, with Christian Wood and some of these guys coming off the books, as well as what whatever they do with Kyrie. But it's it's scary, you know, from what they had coming into this thing, you know, coming off the East, uh, the Western Conference Final, to not the Brunson thing is a is a planet killer. It's an absolute planet killer that you can't really rebound from. Having a borderline all-star player you could have had for 50-plus million dollars over four years, that's the killer. And now you're just trying to play musical chairs to try to bring guys in and and, and try to replicate things. They've got two good young players in Jaden Hardy and Josh Green, but are they good enough? You know, they're good, nice little young pieces, but they're not they're – not re- like Josh Green's, you know, fits his spot pretty well. Developed well. Shot it much better, but the role players got to change. They've got money to spend. They could get. You just got to identify the talent, and you got to figure out what you're going to do with Kyrie. Um, you're right. If they don't make the plan, it's a total one. One of the probably the biggest failures of the season, without question, from where they were last last spring to summer, and then going into free agency to where they are now, without question. And um, it's going to be interesting what they do, but I'll tell you what: you can't half-ass this thing, and you can't panic. You know, to pick up another like, you know, if you're going to pick up a guy or, or make a trade with Kyrie, you better be right on this one because it's going to cost a lot of people their jobs, and it's going to cost this franchise a long, a lot of years in stability. Yeah, I mean, it's not looking good, but that's what they signed up for and they've taken the risk so we'll see how it goes maybe they can salvage a season who would you pick out of those three teams making it in the 10 that I mentioned you think Dallas sneaks in I I don't think they're going to sneak in from where they are right now I just from nothing they've done in the last couple of weeks has shown me they could really you know step those things up now the thing is Minnesota lost Nas Reed probably for the rest of the season that's a huge loss for them it gives them shooting, gives them toughness, it gives them basketball IQ out of the out of the five spot, and that's going to be a huge loss for them. Um, I don't know because those guys are locked in. Like Minnesota's been playing well, Oklahoma City's been pretty locked in. I I think that Dallas is going to be on the way out. To be honest, in my opinion, just where's the evidence? You know, like show me the evidence of them really putting. Since this trade happened, putting in a week straight where they are just unbeatable, they've they've been up and down and just it's been volatile, you know, volatile for sure. Um, I just think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be status quo, Bogues. I do. I think it's gonna be that you know Minnesota and Oklahoma City are gonna probably take. I don't think Utah would, and you know I just don't think Dallas has enough. To be honest, they haven't shown enough. What do you think, Bogues? Yeah, it's a tough one. These these looking. If I was a betting man, these three games for each of the teams, it's it's, it's a tough call, man. They're all because because of all the shenanigans at the end of the season. They're you know they're, they're all playing teams that can rest guys and not care about the win late in the season. I love Memphis and whatnot, and um, that can change the way the dynamic of it all goes. But did Dallas deserve to make it? No. So I mean, I, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't be like wow they didn't they didn't make it. That's crazy. 
they don't deserve to make it. Um, you know, the way they've played over the last month or so has been been horrific. And they've had some injuries and some lineup issues, but, you know, um, they, they need to figure it out. Who do you have this week? Pogues, I had the Mavs. I had the Mavs. Three, yeah, you know, okay, cool. For, for the same reason. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty clear. Um, but they got mm-hmm. a lot of work to do. It will be, will be interesting. And, and that's, you know, a positive of the plane is it makes this very interesting. Like, historically, if there was no plane pro, the Mavs right now would be three and a half games out of eight and would be shutting down Kyrie and Luca as of yesterday. So at least this makes these games more intriguing. It makes it kind of, you know, there's a bit more passion involved because you can still salvage something out of this season. So um, another positive for the plane. All right, the CBA collective bargaining agreement has been agreed to pro. Um, some players not happy. Dray- Draymond Green, the most notable, has come out and absolutely scathingly gone, why the hell did we sign this? I think his pro- comments were more directed at the Players Association or the union. Um, I don't think he's too happy with them because he thinks it shouldn't have been signed. He thinks they got shortchanged. And it's always a tricky debate because when you're making millions of dollars and you complain that you should be getting more, most people aren't going to side with you. From a business point of view, strictly looking at you know, P&Ls and all that, he kind of has a point with some of the stuff. He feels like the, the, the union sold out very quickly and just signed at the bottom line. But anyhow, that's just his comments. The, there's a few notables in this pro. So the, the first one is um, it will give players the ability to invest in NBA and WNBA teams as part of their contracts. Which is interesting, as well as promote or invest in sports betting and cannabis companies. Pro, I mean, what could go wrong with getting involved with sports betting while you're an active player? Pro, I mean, give me give me one good reason something bad could fucking happen. That 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 is mind boggling. That that has to be. I read that. And I'm like, that has to be worded wrong. Like, there has to be something in there that I'm missing, right? No, it's not. It's crazy. It's not. It's crazy. It's nuts. I mean, like, you, there has to be some common sense in this stuff. First of all, okay, you're you're gonna invest in a team now. Again, they they haven't really done the specifics, but you're gonna. So I'm playing for the Toronto Raptors, and I'm gonna invest in them. I've been there eight nine years. I invest, I invest, whatever it is. You know, of course, you're not gonna get a big percentage. But yeah, you then get traded, you go, then what? You get traded, <laughs> then what? Right? Like, what are you doing? Like, do they sell you back your shares? Do you know? Do you stick with that investment? But you're playing for another team, but you're invested in this team. And then the the gambling thing, I, I just look. We're going gambling crazy, and it's going to be a big, big, big problem. And then the cannabis thing, and then you know we're going to get into it. But they st- now they're going to stop testing for marijuana. I mean, that's the new CBA. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was always going to happen with a push for anxiety and mental health. That for know, sure, that cannabis can help. That the sports betting one, I got no problems with sports betting. I'm responsible by dabble. I think sports betting. I think it's it's a freedom of choice thing if that's what you want to do. There's a lot of people that you know, oh, you shouldn't do, you shouldn't promote gambling. Well, I'm more like, well, if if you if you struggle with gambling or whatnot, you need to find the help. It shouldn't then prevent people that can do it, you know, in a productive manner and that's not detrimental to their life. It shouldn't, you know, I hate governments putting bans in. But this one's just strange. Like investing in sports betting um, is a strange one. But to your point. And this is exactly why I bring myself up now. But when I did my Sydney Kings deal pro, I specifically said that these shares don't vest in, you know, I had an option. So upon retirement, I have either a cash payout for the value of the shares in the Sydney Kings or I or I take the shares. But the, the biggest point I put in that um, in that document was that this is upon retirement. So I, I'm not taking these shares now. I'm not taking them tomorrow while I'm playing because I said, look, 
I might want to play on in two years' time. I signed a two-year deal with the Kings. I might want to play, you know, till my till my knees run out, right? And the Kings might say, "Shit, like we 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 think we think you're done. We want to move you on." But I'm like, "Hey, I still I still think I've got a year left in me." And then I go and play for a rival team while I've got shares in the Sydney Kings. That shit doesn't work. And this is similar to that. So, look, I think this a lot of this is just wordplay at the moment, pro. I think they're gonna. They've put it out there, but I think there's going to be there has to be some rules around, especially the sports betting and and the owning shares in teams. There's got to be something like, you know, you 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 get a portion of the shares at that value, but you can, I don't know until you retire. I don't know what it is, but this this just makes no sense. So those two were the most glaring. Um, also, the mid level tax exemption now for teams like the Golden State Warriors that have really used this over the last couple of years. Um, they will no longer be allowed to use that if they've hit the second level of the luxury tax. So they no longer get that mid-level exception anymore. Um, the second second luxury tax level, I don't think it's been announced yet, but whatever that number is, if you've hit that, uh, you cannot use your mid-level exception. That's fair enough because I guess they're, they're trying to say that teams are stacking all this talent and then still have a mid-level that it's, it's not fair. And that was one that one had a problem with because he's saying that that leaves money on the table Um Takes money off the table for players, which it kind of does. I get that. I get the argument on both sides to that. I don't know if you're what your thoughts are on that one. Well, Bogues, yeah, it, it sort of does, but I think that if you're not, if I can't sign with the Golden State Warriors, but the Phoenix Suns, I mean, I mean, say the Detroit Pistons, uh, say they're way under, and that their mid level is going to be actually higher than the taxpayer mid level. So, you know, I could probably get a significantly more money signing with. Um, signing with them now. There are, there if are they want to sign you though, if they're not tanking, right? <laughs> if they're not tanking, correct. But also, like, uh, first of all, with Draymond being upset, all all that has to happen to get Draymond happy about this and love the deal, just have LeBron tweet out that he loves the deal. He'll go at hundred percent of whatever LeBron wow, says anyway. Bro. So yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I just the love the the, the five year love fest with LeBron and him. I just you know I had it. I had to throw at it. But no, seriously though. Um, it does it does handcuff them a little bit with spending. Um, they also mentioned things like you know for the higher spending teams like um, the the ability stop you know they they sort of shrinking the ability to to sign guys that are on, that are waived I think later in the season and picking up what they can do in trades as far as money they could take back in trades picks like seven years in the future they can't trade like they used to like other teams can so they do try to handcuff you a little bit but look you know i i think with this bogues it just goes to say like they're gonna allow you to sign your guys but you gotta you gotta identify talent and develop it and just continue to resign it but yeah i mean it's just look this there's there's monkey wrenches that are thrown in all this stuff all the time. Every five or six years, there's a shakeup in rules. And you just got to circumvent the rules. And you got to figure out how are you going to outsmart teams and, and be on the forefront. Why is like Oklahoma City always doing that? Why is Miami always doing that? Why is Daryl Morey always doing it? They just figure out ways to circumvent the cap, the CBA, and, and to go into your advantage. I mean, I agree. Like Draymond should be a little pissed because obviously, look, it's in in his interest. He's in one on one of those teams. You know, I think it's what them, the Clippers in Milwaukee. You know, as far as the spending, it, it's it's tough and challenging. But that's what we're doing, and 
look, we gotta, we, you just got to figure out. This is why you pay your front office guys eight, nine, ten million dollars a year because they're, they're, they're and four hundred and twenty eight scouts are, are are employed. You know, in front office, somebody's got to figure this shit out, and you know, it, it, it's a little more challenging, but not impossible. So there's a just, lot, there's it, a lot it, in there now, and a lot of changes that the, the you know CBA is already all the exemptions and whatnot and taxes and. You know, um, the other one that Pro just mentioned, so middle and lower spectrum of payroll teams I mean, can now have larger trade exemption, ex- exceptions and new and expanded exceptions to the salary cap. So they're trying to influence teams that are tanking and teams that aren't spending as much to spend, but they still have to spend, right? So it's not like, you know, this this, this is just going to happen overnight. Um, the, other, the other thing is they've gone positionless now on the all-NBA teams, so – I feel like that's a, a direct shot at centers for the most part, pro, <laughs> than anyone else. But I don't understand that one because I think, you know, a team is a team, right? Like if you're going to have a team, it can't be a team of five guards. It doesn't work. So that one's an interesting one. And they've they've also brought in what we've discussed, um, 65-game minimum to qualify for awards. That one I like. I think that's a fair one, pro. Yeah. To me, Bogues, um, awards – like sixty five, it's it's better. It, look, it's definitely better than what they were doing and 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 putting that into into effect. Um, I would think that top, you know, the All NBA and MVP. I would I would like the guys to play in the neighborhood of seventy. But hey, look, sixty five is a great start. I think I don't think it's going to change a lot of the league, but I think it's yeah. And I'll be interested to see if there's any exceptions to that. Where is it? You know, you got to play 65 and you can only miss a certain amount of games when you load manage versus regular injury. That that I I would be sort of – because they haven't really given the whole guidelines to that. I think there are some exceptions. I was listening to the um, Woj and Bobby Marks talk about it um, in their pod and, you know, just trying to explain it. So it'll be interesting to see – it'll be interesting to see how they – how they do with this. I think it's great. I think it's definitely good. They address something that's been a big hot topic for the last couple of years. And at least it's a step in the right direction, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you think there's a chance that the, the wards get diminished now? Do you think, do you think this is going to keep the players in the, in the ass a little bit to say, well, all the clubs, because it's still going to be teams that say, we don't want, you know, we want you to rest tonight. Um, do you think this yeah. now diminishes awards to the point where, you know, let's say in three years time, there's 10, 10 all-star slash Hall of Fame worthy level players that purposefully aren't hitting 65 because they still want to play 50-55. Do you think there's a chance of that happening? And then the wards are like, well, it's not really the best players because they're not all there. <laughs> there's a chance of that happening, right? Yeah, it diminishes it a little bit too. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's it, I think that players sometimes are going to be a little bit sick of it. And, and you know how they don't like to follow rules for the most part. They don't want to be told what to do. They might just be doing it for spite, especially when you make enough money. My thing is if you're chasing that Supermax and you have to be in the NBA teams and all-star. See, to me, like, I don't care if you play 60%, 65 uh, or 70% of your games first half of the year to play in the all-star game. I don't care because the all-star game is bullshit. But and I know it's connected to some uh, bonus stuff. To me, it's all about the first three NBA teams and the MVP. So, like that, I really care about them playing a certain amount of games. But I agree with you. Like, if you have a bunch of these guys not playing 65 and then they're not, you know, whatever, all-star or top three team, um, 
you know, I, I think it would diminish it to a, to a certain degree. And plus, look, most of this stuff is pushed through from teams. It's not pushed from the player in most cases. I don't think that – I think in some cases players are dictating when they play and when they don't. But for the most part, I believe it's just the team says, hey, you're not playing tonight. We're going to rest you. We'll manage. And they're just going to be like, all right, you, you know what's best. Let's do it. But it'll be interesting, Bogues, now where if somebody gets hurt, okay, and they blame it on, well, I had a play. And you know you're going to have a few of those cases where, like, a guy gets hurt. And you're like, well, I didn't want to play tonight, but now we're mandated to play a certain amount of games. Now I get hurt. I guarantee you will have a, you will have a handful of those. And I, would, I want to know how that's going to go through arbitration and whatnot and, and how that's going to go. Because, you know, you know, like in this in, in our world today, it's not about ta- actually taking ownership on anything. It's about blaming somebody else. I guarantee you, you will see that you will you will see a, a player get hurt and say, well, I got look, I wanted to sit, but I have to play because of the mandate. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I agree. And the other ones were the midseason tournament. Um, beginning in the 23-24 seasons. What's that next season? $500,000 per player. That was meant to be a million at one point. That's gone down to five hundred. dollars um, That's the other one. And then there's an extra two-way slot, which kind of affects international leagues. That's a small one that people in the NBA wouldn't care about. But they now have three two-way slots instead of two. That is a player that we would usually bring out to Australia. You know, your, your Walton Juniors of the world, Jalen Adams, your those kind of players that come over and play in Australia. So that is an important one um, and we'll see how that all plays out. But a lot of this is just the initial rhetoric around it. I think the wording and probably especially the stuff around the betting and the investing in NBA teams, I think that'll be – surely it has to be ironed out. The NBA is not that stupid. There'll be some provisions in there that don't you know, don't let this just turn into a circus. So we'll see how that goes. Did you catch any of the NCAA games, bro? I did. And before that too, Bogues, the one other thing – is the uh, high school players will not be eligible for the draft. So that was a big one too. The one and done stays in. They're not going to allow, which they thought that day before they signed it, uh, up to like the afternoon, they were going to try to uh, push that one through where high school guys get into the draft. They are going to keep those guys out of the draft. So um, they felt as though NIL and, you know, um, the G League Ignite and um, – the other one, the other team, uh, minor league deal, where um, what was it called? Uh, anyways, they they feel as though there's enough opportunities for players to make money to stay in. So now the high school, all because a lot of the older players want to reject that. They want to keep the jobs because they don't want all the high school kids in the league. So they they will keep high school guys out uh, for one more year. So they'll still have to do the one year of college or one year in the G League or whatnot. Yep, gotcha. Yep. So. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I caught the girls. I didn't catch the guys. I'll tell you what, this girls thing. Did you see the girl from Iowa, Caitlin Clark? Yep. All the back and forth with LSU. Yep. And she's balling. Folks, I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm going to say it right now. There is not one player, not even close on the male side that is worth the price of admission in college. Not, not, not our boy Victor in France or Scoot. Not one person, not even close, is worth the price of admission that Caitlin Clark is. Big call, bro. Big call. Huge. I mean, you. Hey, anybody who listens nah, to quarter. the show, she can play, man. She can play. Yeah, I mean, she's like Steph Curry. Smooth. She, yeah, she's very good. 
But now, Bogues, right? So they beat they beat South Carolina and the South Carolina coach because they they're, they're a little tough, right? Something happens where like the other coach they were expl- like describing South Carolina, the Iowa coach. Iowa coach says something like, um, "They're tough. They're physical. They're like brawlers or whatever." So of course, you know the the you know the South Carolina coach was like. Don't call us bar brawlers. Don't call us monkeys. Don't. She she went a little far because that was never said about her. But like, and then there's this girl Angel Reese, I believe her name for LSU. They beat Iowa, and instead of just like, all right, they won the game. This is great. And then they have to go on the whole like, you know, I don't fit the narrative. Um, I saw you know, that. I saw the interview. Yeah. Thought, like, come on, can, can can we go like one day? without just just be happy you won instead of like going on the pedestal of like going on and on in this word salad stuff it's interesting but um i watched a little of the mail game that 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 buzzer beater was pretty cool from you know um in the in the uh the florida game san diego state north florida yeah san diego state yeah florida atlantic that was the game i watched that was was an amazing game it it just felt like um san diego state were they were out of it but they were close enough and you could just feel like if a run started to turn it's amazing in sports how momentum shifts you know they fau had the complete control of that game and then san diego state got a little bit closer a little bit closer a little bit closer and and then bang they hit a hit a buzzer a walk-off buzzer beater which is just Absolutely crazy, um, you know. The Florida Atlantic go down by a point in in just tough circumstances. I think they were up ten with with ten odd minutes left. So that that was a good one. It was a good representation of college basketball. They they then San Diego State move on now to play University Yukon University of Connecticut, uh, and that is tomorrow, I believe, your time. So we'll, we'll watch that space. But um, it's been pretty, pretty 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 interesting. And I think yeah, the girls girls was very interesting I, I enjoyed watching um some of her clips uh she can she can really shoot it for those that don't know who it is look it up it's um she's a she's a very very good player uh and just is what pro means by price admission is she's got the wow factor like you she's pulling up from five steps outside three she's got a bit of you know cocky confidence to her in a good way i think and she loves to to, to put on a show so I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing her in the WNBA one day yeah, and it's it's interesting now because she makes a they said about a million dollars in her NIL, and from what she's done pay now, cut. they they she's like a pay cut in the WNBA yeah, then, <laughs> no doubt because now in the WNBA that your first deal you're making like a hundred, not even probably like seventy five eighty, and then your max deal which I think you're eligible for year five is two fifty plus. Now the thing is, like, she wouldn't have to go overseas, obviously, because all the she'll probably make. They said, "I oh, should make money yeah, from unlike, sponsorships, endorsements." Yeah, unlike the NBA, she can't come out until f- I think four years after your high school graduating class. So, oh, really? Is that their rule in the NBA? Four years? At least, at least three. It's at least three. Jeez. Where I, they say she can't come out. I don't know if that's a hundred percent, but I think they do have that rule for four years. So, you know, that's that's what's keeping her. But I'll tell you what, Bo, she made a million. NIL, she'll probably make three next year because of the fact wh- where she's at. So if I'm her, I'm staying in school, making whatever it's going to be, say two and a half, three million. Because now the good thing about her, you know, 
the, how the women's the women work is you play the WNBA in the spring summer and then like a week or two right after your season you know the finals in the WNBA you're in Europe and you're playing because you make if you're a really good WNBA player you'll make say 200 in your max deal 250 and then you make like 800 playing overseas for some Russian team or whatever whatever so she wouldn't have to do that. She could just stay home. Like uh, Sabrina Anescu, the the girl that played at Oregon that was tight with Kobe. She, you know, she's got a Nike deal and what have you. She's got a bunch of stuff, so she doesn't go overseas. She just plays in the WNBA. So this girl could just stay chill, play at Iowa, enjoy being a kid, make bank. She's probably the highest paid person in the state of Iowa, which is pretty cool. And then she could just do <laughs> yeah, she do whatever. Be. Yeah. So it's cool to see. Look. Wow factor players, there aren't many that happen, but it's unbelievable for the first time. It's not even close. It's not even close. Like, I, I want to, anybody's all American team for men, you know, I want to see it. And I think that that goes to show with the NCAA, with all the transfers and the one and dones, how, you know, look, the Final Four and everything has great popularity, the tournament and whatnot. But I'm telling you, it is ruining the fabric of college basketball where, like, consistent players consistently playing important games getting better that's why these players are just not that skilled anymore like they're talented super talented but you know with all the transfer stuff you don't see as much of that in the women's side where you have all these superstars because they can't leave but the superstars it seems like in the women's side don't leave though they don't leave to go to other schools in the transfer portal you still see a big transfer portal amount for women but like the stars there's a like a really good girl from um louisville who got in the fight post game in the tournament i think a lot of people saw it on social media she stays you know this girl stays the girl at you know lsu stays they're not really like shifting schools like the men but um it's interesting but it's great the final four has been great for the boy the men's too i just haven't really caught much of it but uh yeah, it's an interesting take. And the WNBA requires, you're right, it requires you to be at least 22, four years removed yeah. from high school or have completed your college eligibility. So if you're from overseas, you need to be at least 22, which which is interesting that they haven't fought, fought to change that in their CBA. Uh, I, I assume they will be because, you know, you look at someone like, like Clark that, you know, she wants to go pro. She she could, she could already play pro today, you know, and uh, she's going to wait it out now. So, but the NIL bugs, like to be honest, like, I get, I, I really get it. Yeah. Good, yeah, I get it. But she's still yeah. going to go to class. Maybe she doesn't like school. You know what I mean? Like she still has to go through all the bull crap you got to go through in college that good you point. might not want to do, right? So, to not be able to go into your profession for four years is a little rough. So we'll see if that changes. All right, moving on to our Aussie Watch, brought to you by Dabble Social Betting Experience. Stream everything from a series of weekly sport-related shows with your regular host Josh Jeans, on Tickers, or even Sky Racing. Follow, copy bets, and stream live. Go on, download the app. Have a dabble. Dabble socially. You must gamble responsibly. Aussie Watch. You know Simmons out for the year, as we discussed. Paddy Mills still has not. Uh, Really played much. Um, had that garbage, some garbage minutes in, on the 26th, of, which was last week. Hasn't played since then. Dyson Daniels back in the rotation slowly. Um, roughly four points a game this week. 2.75 rebounds, 1.25 assists, one steal per game. Delhi, he played a little bit of garbage time earlier in the week. He has broken his finger versus Portland. So to be determined how long he's out in their playoff push. Not not a big loss for him, not playing a lot of minutes, but still a good veteran to have as a backup, but he's out with a broken finger. Jock Landau has fallen out of the rotation completely. Uh, he has not played since March 25th. 
uh, no minutes at all. And he was he was actually playing pretty well, pro. It was you know last week he was mm. seven and a half points, five rebounds off the bench uh, with KD in the lineup, starting to figure that that out. And he's gone completely dry there. You just you know you, as we tell him, stay positive. You'll get your you'll get your chance again. But it looks like Phoenix is trying to tighten up their rotations before the playoffs, which is interesting. Josh Giddy. Another week for him with Aussie of the week. Uh, we're just going to give it to him for, for the rest of the season, I think. But uh, 21, his best scoring week we've had in a while, 21.5 points a game this week, 7.7 rebounds, 7 assists. So really, really good week for Josh Giddy. Thibel, Matisse, 5 points, 2.5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1.5 steals, and 1 block. So his usual self. Um, Jack White, DNPs, Joe Ingles, I uh, haven't really hit – they got a game going on right now that just finished, so I haven't completed his stats. But um, he's been up and down again, had a really bad bad game the other night when they got blown out. But uh, he's, you know, finding form there. Jack White, DMPs, Josh Green, pretty poor week for him. Uh, he's playing really well before that, but five point five and a half points, 3.2 rebounds, 1.5 assists and one steal. And Xavier Cooks, congratulations. He scored his first basket in the NBA on March 28th versus Boston. Uh, a little bit of garbage time in a few games between then, but uh, first points in the NBA will forever be in the record books, pro. Moving on to the NBL and Australia, there is some news that the the uh, the cap has increased by seven, almost seven percent, pro, which is a good thing for the players. So a bit more money to throw around. Um, Keanu Pinder, probably the biggest marquee name in free agency, has signed with the Perth Wildcats for a big number, um, big, 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 big number. Uh, there with Bryce Cotton. So I think him and Bryce would be most of their cap at the moment. Uh, Will McDowell-White, who's the second premier marquee guy that's in free agency, is rumored to be going possibly to Perth as well. Uh, they're, in, they're in the mix. So they're going to have to, uh, I don't know, expand that arena to pay all these salaries, but they are they are spending it, which you, which you do like to see. Um, just for people out there wondering about the salary cap situation, the Sydney Kings, uh, we can't really comment on other teams, but... City Kings were third in total cap spend by a by an iota, and the only reason why is because pro when there's when you have injuries they don't count for you they don't count towards your cap that week so you can get get a discount if some of your star players are out hurt you get a little bit of a discount on your cap because you don't pay them doesn't hit your cap for that week that they're out or that month that they're out so we probably would have been fifth there were two clubs below us that had mass injuries which helped their cap but we were third in spend so pretty reasonable um you know we cop shit for being a big spending club at times so we like to be transparent with what we're doing and um that, that's good the, the next free agent that's probably has not signed anywhere yet would be bull call and uh he was with, with the Kansas Taipans last season he's probably the one that's on a lot of teams radars and um he's someone that you know a lot of teams would love to get in their in their colors so We'll see what happens over this next week in free agency. Mike Kelly, head coach, is officially signed by the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. He was an assistant coach of the Perth Wildcats. I think that's a decent signing by Southeast Melbourne. I know some other candidates that they were going after that had turned them down or that they uh, couldn't settle on a figure. Uh, but Mike Kelly spent some time in Cairns a couple of seasons ago. The male was a very, very good X's and O's, probably needs a bit more of that disciplinarian side of, side of things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's grown into that role a little bit being in Perth. But that uh, that's the NBL. It's silly season here with free agency. There's a couple of big names that are gone. But um, yeah, we're, we're, you know, Sydney Kings have done pretty well in re-signing our own talent and have a lot of a lot of cap space to spend on imports and marquees. But we've kind of been pretty quiet to this point as far as not, not re-signing any of our own guys pro because we think that we're just going to see what, what happens when the uh, – 
when everything settles. I think I think it's important to just to like let it settle down, figure out things. You know, unless unless it's a, a bunch of no brainers, I, pre- I I agree with that. And then the extra seven percent will be great. I mean, the thing last week that you mentioned about Japan is going to be a big. I think it'll be a big issue in, 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 for some teams re-signing guys. I think with almost unlimited, you know, resources with Japan and things, you know, to spend on players, and and they've been up and on spending. That that seven percent is going to be the difference. I think from you know signing guys to you know signing a couple of guys that you that you know that you want to retain versus not. So it'll be interesting. Those those are. But with free agency, there's there's stuff that happens. Guys play well in summer league, and you know that that you know that sort of just really impress you. You know, you get NBA pre-draft guys that are working out and things. You might you might see a young player that you might like, uh, a young a young vet. So it'll be interesting. And that's the beautiful but, part yeah. of the import thing. The import side of things, the NBA is you don't need to rush into signing an import just because most imports that haven't played NBLs, there are a few that want deals now, but. Most of them want to wait till till after summer league anyway, and see where they where they where they lie, where they get a two way, where they work their way into a, into a team. But uh, we've got a lot of flexibility with what we're doing. We like where we're at. We've got you know re-signing our own talent that are Australian um, was very very important early in free agency, and that's why we went with Glover and and a few other guys just to make sure that um, you know Galloway just to make sure that we're keeping guys around. We, we took up quite noise option as well um, because now we think our bench is pretty settled and now we just got to get the big dogs in. All right, fact or fake news. The Laker follow-up from last week, Pro, with our free throw disparity. So t- we're going to call this Laker watch, I guess. But this is this is this week, three games for the Lakers, Pro. You want to hear the free throw disparities? Do you think they won all three of those free throw disparity battles? Uh, Bogues, I have a feeling – I know when you're setting me up for some shit. So I think uh, – uh, if I was a betting man on Dabble, I'd probably say that you're gonna say that they've they they went to the free throw line a shit ton compared to their opponent. But that's just my guess. Of course they did. Versus Houston, 28 free throws to 10 for the Lakers. Versus Chicago, 28 free throws to 13. And versus Chicago again, 30 free throws to 13. So this is becoming its its own little conspiracy theory, bro. They're definitely getting the the benefit of the whistle. Uh, we're going to keep in touch with this till the rest of the season to see how it goes. I think, I think the league wants the old Lakers to make sure that they're in that. Look, they're going to. It's it's pretty. I think it's pretty clear they're going to be at least a plane at a minimum at this point, um, which we both didn't really think would be possible. They are three. They're two and a half games ahead of KC. You don't see them falling down to ten, and they potentially could scrape in over the Clippers. They're half a game behind the Clippers in six, and they're one game behind the late uh, the the Warriors in five. So imagine the Lakers actually lock in a playoff berth. That's not a plane. That would be amazing. But they are getting the benefit of the doubt when it comes to free throws, bro. Fact or fake news? Oh, sorry. Uh, useful or useless? It's useful as fuck, Bogues. Uh, I, before I didn't really think about it, but now that you're right, like they they're definitely gonna they're gonna make sure that they're, they're gonna have LA in. They cannot not have LeBron James. You know they they're gonna try to get him the easiest road to to try to make that playoff push and you know make the playoffs and obviously high seed in the play in and just to win one game to get in. So they do not want to have him sitting out for sure. Agree. I'm going to go useful because it's obvious they're getting the benefit of the doubt. All right, since the trade deadline, wins for the Mavs, seven. Wins for the Nets, 11. Useful or useless? Useful, Bogues. I mean, you know, obviously it's a, 
those guys haven't played great, and they're still they still won game. Like, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith has been struggling. Dinwiddie's been up and down, and they still won more games. And um, it's definitely useful. You know, it's uh, it's glaring that this this trade really didn't work. Well, yeah, I think yeah, same. I I was low on Brooklyn. I thought they'd fall out of the six into into the the playing realm, and they've surprised me. So, and Dinwiddie hasn't played well off that well consistently, but his his assist numbers are really, really, really jumped since he left Dallas. Like he's he's had some really high assist games at a good clip. So, um, yeah, I think it's very useful to see that you know the winner of that trade. Most people would have said should have been Dallas, and they they just haven't equated the wins. So. That is an interesting one. All right, most 40-point games in a season by a New York Knicks point guard. We've hit a similar one to this before, but uh, Jalen Brunson, all-time leader in 40-point games in a single season by the by a Knicks point guard. That is four for the season. Who do you think is number two all-time, Pro? Mm, hmm. Marbury? Yeah, Marbury's got three, and then no one else has more than one in their whole history, which is pretty impressive. That's crazy. So, yeah. yeah, you think there'd be more point guards that had 40, 40 balls for him, but uh, traditionally they had a lot of pass-first point guards in their, in their history. Uh, useful, useless? Uh, useful for Brunson. That's great, man. That, that, that shows that, you know. Shows that Dallas fucked up and should have kept him. <laughs> a thousand percent. A thousand percent. No, they got to be kicking themselves at this point. They have to oh. be thinking, like, what the, what the fuck were we doing? <laughs> Folks, it's just – like you, it's like JFK. You're never gonna find out who you know. You'll never get, you know, who who really made the call. But look, folks, to give up a guy like that for that number, I could see if like it was just a unrestricted free agency deal, and the Knicks came in and he wanted to be in New York over you. The guy was like, "Look, I want to be here four years, fifty-eight or whatever that number was." To to say no to that, to say no to that is crazy because whatever trade you think you had unless you were bringing in greek freak or you were bringing in like a big 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 timer right devin booker or something like that right and you needed to trade him then yeah i wouldn't sign him either i'd I'd wait and keep him up but there's all these trades happen like if you don't have a trade next week like i want to trade you for I don't know, uh, Bridges, right? I want to trade Brooklyn for bridge, you know, Bridges. Well, all right, that doesn't work out. But you know what? There, there could be a trade, you know, there could be a trade for, I don't know, you know, Marcus Smart and Luke Cornett from Boston next week, that, uh, two weeks later, that's going to be good. There's going to be trades down the line. You always, you always retain the asset. You retain the asset. There will be trades. Maybe a trade that you might want to make, you know, it falls through, and you know you really like that trade. That's going to put you over the top. But you know what? There's going to be other trades that are just as good, if not better. Always retain the asset. And now you lose them. You can't get guys like that back. You cannot get Jalen Brunson back in free agency. You cannot get Jay. Obviously, they tried and they didn't. And you can't get him back. Trade you can't get him back in in the drafts unless you draft in the top five or six you know to get a good a guy as good as him right now so that you got to watch out and those are monumental mistakes that could take you down a path to losing some really good players you know we talk about Luca and some other guys like that 
hopefully it doesn't come to that. I want to see Luka in Dallas for the rest of his career, but like that could put you in, in harm's way and stuff like that. That's why you got to be really careful with these moves. And not every move is life or death, folks, but moves like this is definitely life and death. And yeah, it's a hell of a loss, man. Sure is. Sure is. So I'm going useful on that as well. He's, he's playing great basketball, but yeah, they uh, the Mavs <laughs> kick themselves. All right. Jaron Jackson Jr., first player in NBA history, pro, to have 15-plus points a game, three-plus three blocks a game with a three-pointer made every game. Useful, useless. I don't know, Bogues. You know me. I'm not um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the first – because it's every day that it's the first NBA player to ever, but it's pretty impressive stats. I'll give it to him. I, I, you know, J- Jackson's a good player. I'd say useful. Yeah, I would say useful just because historically bigs that block three – you know, three block shots of games and not making threes. So that's that's the kicker in this stat. That's why he's the first in NBA history. But it is kind of clutching at straws to get to a stat. So I'm going to go – actually going to go useless on this one just because it's, you know, clutching at straws, the one, one three-point field goal made. All right, longest active playoff drought is now. Who, pro? Uh, after sack, um, give me a second, give me a second, give me a second. Pistons? No, it is the Charlotte Hornets. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah, when did the Pistons make it? That's a good one, actually. They're probably close. They're probably six, six years. But uh, longest active streak yeah. is seven, I think it's seven years. Thank you, Sacramento Kings. And you're throwing the Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte Hornets under the bus, but uh, useful or useless, bro? Uh, it's useful. It just shows that shows that Charlotte really hasn't been able to put it together to to to, to be a playoff team and – you know, it's unfortunate. I hey, look, I don't fault MJ at all. The guy, the guy bought that team for like two hundred and forty. He's probably gonna sell his share for like one point seven billion. So you know, I, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd take that any day of the week. But it is, it is useful. It just shows you that, you know, look, you know, if you make some wrong moves in the draft, free agency, you misspend, you hire the wrong coach, it could really set you back. And it's really hard to win games in this league if you're a small market team. And when you're in small markets, you really have to make everything count. You know, play, you know talent evaluation, development, you know, who, who the coach is, where you're spending your money, and where you're putting your resources into. So I would say it's useful for sure. Yeah, I'd say it's useful. Whenever you, you suck, you get, uh, you get in a drought. It needs to be spoken about. So last one. Tyus Jones has the best assist to turnover ratio since the merger pro. When was that? Your history buff? When was the NBA merger? I want to say it was in the 70s. I want to say it was like 72, 73, but I could be wrong. Maybe closer to 75, but yeah. it's Pretty it's close. 76, 76. 76. August 5th, 1976. Good one, pro. But yeah, he's basically the last, what is that, 40-odd years almost. Um, he has been... Even more, right? Bad math. Yeah, he's been uh, one of the best when it comes to assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, 25th in assists, 178th in turnovers since the merger pro. Useful, useless. Pretty useful, man. The guy, I mean, that's a hell of a number. And it's not like it's not like he's, you know, he's playing for a terrible team. It's not like he's playing for Houston or Detroit. Um, he that's a that's a really and you know. And he's playing with John Morant. So it's not like he's on the ball all the time with that. So to have that number be consistent over five, I believe, 
that's a tough one, man. That's I'd say that's useful. Yeah, very useful. Very useful and underrated and under not really spoken about. So good on Tyus Jones having a great year down there in, in Memphis. Q&As, Pro, we'll finish with these and then get to a, a fact or fake news. Um, first one comes from Instagram. This is Phil D. The Beard. Warriors have some decisions to make. Extend Draymond Green or trade Jordan Poole for some additional size to help going forward. What are your thoughts on that, Pro? I'm not a huge Jordan Poole fan as far as like the way he plays. I think he's a talented kid. He scores points. I think he's a good player. But I'm also signing Draymond long-term is going to be tough too with, again, we're talking about spending and, you know, you know you're limited at what you can do when you spend. Um, they've got some decisions to make, but I don't think there's going to be any easy decision that's going to get them to another level. I think, to me, I don't think you're going to get much for Jordan Poole because you got to understand that when you trade um, – when you trade Jordan Poole, right, the guy's averaging 20 and 5. you got to replace that. It's not that easy to replace. Um, you know, so now whatever you take back and, you know, he's – and right now he's still on his rookie deal. I don't – did he sign his extension yet, folks? Who's that, Poole? Yeah. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he I did. He, uh, right he, now. Signed his, he signed the big one. I think Draymond – has a player option for this next season, which is yeah. rumors he, he might opt out. You're right. I, I think I think yeah. I think Golden State would extend Draymond at a you know he's not going to get a huge number. I don't think like a huge huge max max max. Um, I would not be surprised if Golden State give him you know maybe a two or three year. But there's also rumors that he he might want to move on and they they might want to do the same and, and and rebuild. The thing with Paul is once once Clay or Steph move on or both. They've what, got probably a couple more years at this level, high level uh, left. Uh, where you know Steph, you can obviously move off the ball down towards the end of his career a bit more, less mileage as, as far as you know what he's doing today. But that's where Paul becomes a bit more useful because you still want to have a go-to talent. But yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I think he's he's a great player, but there's so many bad habits that he has that um, you know if he's the, the number one guy on your team, are you going to be successful? That's yet to be seen. But as far as the question goes, what, what do you do? Do you, do you make any moves if you're the Warriors to get some size in? I just don't think they want they care about size. I mean, they're, they're happy with a 6'9 Looney at five. They're happy with role-playing fives. I don't think they, they're really uh, sitting there saying, we need to move one of these guys and get a big fella in here. They don't really care about that. They can get a cheap veteran big. So I don't think that makes a difference, Phil. But I think... Um, there is a chance that Draymond does walk um, and, and go elsewhere if there are other teams that might want to try to break that that Golden State run up. I'll tell you what, they don't do. They don't fucking draft James Wiseman and fuck their whole chances up. That's See, when you fuck the draft up like that and you draft Wiseman instead of a player that could really help you and and now you and then you end up trading him for nothing, you know, that's that's the thing. Like they didn't really like in that draft you know, Halliburton, but no one was thinking about Halliburton. Anyways, I- I'm not going to get off topic, but that's what happens with Kaminga not really producing that much. And then Wiseman, when you mess up two draft picks where you can get much better players that could really help you, and then you end up trading a top two pick, you traded the number two pick in the draft for nothing. You literally got nothing back. So 
that's what happens when you do that. Like if you're drafting at 27, 28 every year like they were for a while and, and you mess those picks up, then they, that does mess you up a little bit. But they, there's not a lot of expectation there. When you, you know, when you're drafting number two, when you're drafting two and you get Wiseman and then, you know, Golden State, they had Kaminga, which, where did they draft Kaminga at? They drafted Kaminga at, give me a second, uh, number seven. So like two picks inside the top 10, when you when you don't get those right, it could have a, a, a big time negative effect on what you can do. And then Draymond, like, all right, you're going to have to sign for much less money than you're expecting if you go somewhere else. And I think the value to other teams, there are some teams that he'll have some value on, but he's one of those guys that you really need a lot of talent around him to really, you know, get the full Draymond effect. I think you got to figure out what's going to go on with Wiggins. I don't think size is their biggest issue right now that – they just can't beat teams. They're just not good enough. And they got to figure some things out. I'm with you, Bogues, with Poole. Like, you know, when those guys move on, you're going to have to have somebody that could create offense to create, you know, you know, situational basketball. I, I just don't know what they're going to do. I don't know the answer. I, I say figure out what's going to happen with Wiggins first to see if you can get everybody together. Maybe you get off Kaminga, you get something back. You know, I, I I wouldn't make any huge major moves. I just don't think there's a huge major move that's going to bring them back into contention. I think you ride this out. You're not going to trade Steph. What are you going to do? What are you going to get for Clay? You'll get some decent stuff for Clay, but again, it's not going to be as good as Clay Thompson. So you might just want to do what the Celtics did, ride it out, and then put this thing on reset. I, I think there's no easy answer for this right now. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I think yeah, I think there's a chance Draymond does leave. Um, if he if he fields offers from, you look at someone like Portland. He's been linked there for a long, long time. Um, the Lakers, because <laughs> Chris oh said he, yeah. he, he, loves, he loves LeBron, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. They've got some decisions to make. There's no doubt about it. I know they want to try to keep their band and and, and milk this for as long as they can, but. I don't have an exact answer for you, Phil. It's a tough one. Um, but if, if I was, if I had to make a decision today, right now, I would milk the Steph, uh, Clay, Draymond thing for another two or three years with some better role players around him and move off Paul. If I had to, gun to my head, that would be the decision I make. Just because I think you, you got a better champ, chance of winning a championship with those three than you do removing one of those three pieces and and putting in Paul. That's just my opinion. All right, Twitter at Vandernuts. Uh, best way to develop confidence in a junior. My 11-year-old son dominates domestic basketball, so that pro domestic basketball in Australia is you play just for your little local area, in your local area, but struggles with the basics in representative. So representative then pro is you represent that area against other areas, so it's a step up, right? Um, he's so scared of making a mistake and it's hard to watch at times. What do you got for him, pro? You can so never he's basically be dominating. A- he's dominating the local rec league, the local one, mm-hmm. and then the step up, he, he kind of... You know, his confidence just goes out the window against better competition. Yeah, I think that you have to do little things. You have to watch film with him. Like if you could tape the games and, and you could watch and you could – so he could see sort of what he's struggling in a little bit. So say he's struggling in four things, you know, against that, top, that better competition. Then identify some things that he can do, maybe one thing at a time. So say it's like he's not sprinting down the floor, you know, he's not sprinting the floor well enough. Then you're like, look, we're going to get out of this one step at a time. Let's start with doing that. 
Or let's look, you're not boxing out, you know, consistently. Let's start with that. Let's start with one thing and then see progress with that. And then once you get your hand on that, let's just get out of the hole slowly and slowly. Not not go from you know, one to 10, you're going, you know, two and a half, three, three and a half, you know what I'm saying? So watch film with him, identify what he needs to work on or what he's not doing well. Let's get one thing that he could really start focusing on. If you're working with him at home or you're just talking him up or you're just watching the film and you're saying, look, this is what we're really going to focus in on today. And then once he starts getting that and then, you know, and then you start maybe another thing, and slowly work with that. But you can't really try to identify seven things and try to attack those seven things. That'll never work. It's one thing at a time. And then you, you know, they got to put in the reps and the work. And then you, you, you know, just say, look, you're going to make mistakes. This, no one plays perfect. I don't care if you're, you know, Luka Doncic to Johnny Doncic and everybody in between. Nobody plays mistake, you know, free basketball. The one thing you want to sort of try to tell him is, look, mistakes are okay. But making the same mistake for three straight weeks isn't, you know, that's something that we have to address. You know, you're going to make mistakes, so don't be afraid of making them. But your effort, your focus, all that stuff, effort and focus definitely have to be there every night. And the result, well, that's that's going to happen in time. But identify one thing, really talk him through it, continue to watch film, you know, give him praise when he does that stuff well, and then just say, okay, look, we can't fix all our problems, but we'll fix one at a time. That's what I would. That's how what I would say. Yeah, I agree. Look, I think at an eleven-year-old level, there's there's obviously deficiencies in an eleven-year-old's game, no matter how good you are. So, I don't know the skill set, Vander. So, bear with me. But one would probably be weekend. I would assume their weak hand, they're not confident in. So if he's a right-hander, it's his left hand. So that then limits what you can do by at least 50% on the court. Because, <laughs> you, you know, if you can't go left confidently and once smart coaches and players figure that out and, and most most juniors cannot go left confidently. Like it's just a gamble that I'll take if I'm coaching a junior team, which I do. Say, you know, f- try to force your opponent. If they're right-handed, try to force them left. Like not not, not even knowing... Any scouting about any scout about them, I would just guess because most kids don't work on their strong hands. So that that's one thing you can work at home. You can work on that straight away. Brush your teeth with your left hand, eat your dinner with your left hand. Um, you know, go outside and do spend practices with with your with your son outside. Where hey, we're only shooting and dribbling with our left hand today. That's all we're doing for 20, 30 minutes. Nothing else. You know, um, and get them confident to go both ways. That's one thing. Um, if you're saying confidence an issue, I mean, it could just be a matter of just just being aggressive and and not not being afraid to make a mistake you got to kind of convey that it's it's better to be aggressive and make a mistake than it is to be complacent and just throw the ball to someone and run away because then you basically a statue out there to pros point though if you're doing if you're making the same mistake four or five times and that's a separate issue that you have to address but I, I would you know there's obviously confidence comes from training in my opinion at a, at that age 10 11 12 13 so you know, maybe if you're not qualified to, to coach him or you're not, you know, you're not in, in depth with basketball, you hire a personal coach and get him an extra extra session a week, just one-on-one and, and, and be like, hey, my, my son's struggling with this. I want to work on this or my daughter's struggling with this. I want to work on this. And that's really important. And, 
you also, on the flip side of that, pro, you don't want to burn them out either. Like there's these there's parents out there that have their, their kids in junior sports doing doing a session, you know, two times a day, seven days a week at, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. By the time they get to 13, 14, they hate the game, they're burnt out and they don't want to play it, right? So there's a, there's a, there's a balance there. But if they, if they truly love the game and want to do as much as they can and spend as much time with the game – then you got to you got to get them some some tools, which would be in the in the, in the realm of a personal coach, or you know spend some time with them to to improve some deficiencies. But um, that's also you know talk to the talk to the coach of the team um, that that he plays in representative basketball for, and say hey like my son's struggling with confidence. He plays really well domestically. Like what do you think we should do? What 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 should we work on? What should he be doing? And then th- that might give you some positive feedback, and at least you're being proactive. Because don't forget, most parents that are approaching junior coaches are usually approaching for one thing and that's why isn't why isn't my child playing this is bullshit you know if you're approaching and saying hey i just want some advice can you help me that might be a good a good relationship starter with that coach but uh thanks for that question vanna last one comes from facebook this is theo psados um greek brethren i believe i hope i didn't get that right hope i didn't get that wrong sorry um because sometimes if you're cypriot there's a bit of a war there but <laughs> some cypriot friends and we like to have a bit of a laugh about it but the question is the nbl ownership has done a brilliant job resurrecting the growth uh growing the prominence of the sport but is it time for a new owner to invest and elevate the nbl even more uh, good question. Right now, no. Uh, I think Larry's, you know, Larry's group and Larry have invested a lot of money in the NBL, and I've been critical at times of different things, and as as he of, of myself and the club. But they are healthy debates to have. I think he's he's the guy that opened his wallet when the league was on its knees, and we everyone's aware of that. But yeah, the, the league does need to continue to grow. Um, as far as someone else coming in and just buying it and making it better, I think that's that's a you know, it's a false equivalence. Um, it's not as easy as that. I think the the play would be to to you know move the NBL on if it's ever moved on to a to a group or another league. I think will be the play. I think the the way the NBA, the way Euroleague is trying to expand its tentacles around the world, that could be a play where they might say, hey, we might we might we might buy this league and just use it as a development league for ourselves, or we see that a lot of growth or the whatever it is that might be the play. But as far as a just another owner buying it and doing different things. Um, I, don't, I don't think that that is on the cards in the future, Theo. So we will uh, watch this space. But the league, the league's numbers again this season have grown. TV numbers are up. There is a TV deal, I believe, coming up soon. So that should hopefully inject more cash flow into the league. Therefore, the clubs. We should hopefully get some of these clubs out of the, um, you know, out of the negative and, and into the positive uh, financially. Because there are some clubs at times that if you're not, you know, you know, if you don't have playoff games or finals games at times, it's a it's a pretty thin line of being profitable. So we've got to make sure we support those clubs when they don't make the finals. All right, bro. Fact or fake news, folks? I had a listener. I'm in bed minding my own business on a Wednesday morning, and I had a listener uh, email me. Uh, I didn't know you were coaching, folks. You're you're coaching juniors <laughs> or what, what? What's it called? Oh, we'll, well keep it. We'll keep it quiet. Don't don't any uh, pop up protesters rocking up. But uh, no, nah, yeah, I'm, I'm coaching a coaching a couple of young under 18s kids here. So trying to help them out a little bit. Well, you know, I mean, we just did our hundredth episode. So if I'm going to get fired tonight, I might as well get fired, right? They sent me a <laughs> score. Uh, the the picture of the score wasn't prominent. It was fifty-seven thirty-two, and our um, the sound guy could edit this any way he wants to. But uh, fact or fake news? The management has put you on an alert that you need to uh, up your offense and and hire maybe an offensive coordinator. 
fact or fake news this from this court five on some from some facility I got. Mm, I just yeah, got it. we do. We, we need to sign some NBA players. Um, but I'm not. I'm unlike that coach that probably sent you that. I'm not really focused about winning right now. We play. It's a, I'm, I'm coaching a school, so we play in a local competition. The competition doesn't mean shit to me, to be honest. I'm trying to get the kids better. Um, honestly, um, really, really don't care because uh, our, our our goal is the tournaments at the end of the year, which is in I think September, August, September is the schools tournament, and that's the goal. The goal is to try and be good in that. So everything between then and now. Is um, I'm not really worried about the result. It's about getting the kids better, and it's 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 hard, man. In junior basketball, you got these you got these coaches that play zone the whole game. You got like you got coaches that press, and you know, and you wonder why these kids get to 15, 16, 17, and they don't know how to play man to man defense, or they they don't know how to read offenses and all that kind of stuff. So it is interesting seeing seeing junior development up close, and I have a different take on on what most people do. And winning is very important. We definitely. Um, emphasize trying to do things right and win but to be honest we don't have the group right now that can consistently win we gotta we gotta continue to get better and where you know the 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 program i've taken over is realistically is a you know bottom bottom dwelling type program um they compete but they're just not as talented as other schools you know a lot of other schools how do you enjoy it folks have 12 scholarships i enjoy it yeah i think it's you know it's just good to go back to some grassroots stuff and help some kids out and Try to better them a little bit and give them some tutelage around different things. But um, yeah, junior basketball, man, it's interesting. There's there's a lot going on in junior basketball. You, you think you, you forget like you know pro sports has politics and sideshows. So does junior basketball, man. Like you got oh, yeah. <laughs> so much going on, um, so much going on, you know, and you just got to navigate it. But like I said, my main my main focus for all that is just bettering the kids. If the kids get from A to B and they and they look better. I'm happy if I'm not really worried about about the points, but I appreciate you giving me shit for that. We 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 are <laughs> the opposite of undefeated, pro. We haven't won a game yet, so. Um, but next week's hopefully next week's hopefully the first. Bogues, I've been I've been telling you, bring me over. I'm telling you, we we could be a powerhouse. We could be a powerhouse. <laughs> Get me over there, Bogues. Cuss out some some sixteen seven year old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll eat well. I don't know if we'll win games, but they'll eat well. But appreciate the listener sending that in and uh, you know snitching me out to pro. Appreciate that. That's uh, very. I mean, we've got listeners everywhere, all corners of the world, pro, uh, looking out. So yeah, and 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 I and I swore him the secrecy that I wouldn't put his uh his uh, true identity. I was gonna bring him in with like the blocked off face, with the like the with the uh, <laughs> with the changed voice to protect the not so innocent. But I told him. You, you know, don't worry about it. Witness protection. He's fine. He's down in New Zealand in some safe house with uh, Denzel Washington on Safe House Part Two. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful. All right, yeah. we'll have another episode, our hundredth episode. Once again, thank you to all listeners. We appreciate the support. Um, you know, make sure you share this with your friends and family. And if you want your basketball news, we are the number one ranked Australian-based basketball show. Uh, you can download. So keep that in mind when you share this. And we'll see you all next week. Sweet. See you guys later. Let's get rogue.